Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. I'd like to invite up to the stage Shannon Botic, if uh, you, but before uh, she makes her way up, I'd like to also, her mother's with her today, and her mother's a minister, Cheryl. Would you stand up and let us just give you a big Memphis Tabernacle welcome this morning. Thank you for being here as well. Shannon, thank you for being here today. Why don't you take some time? Blessings from the Cambodian Foursquare Church and from all of the orphans and widows of FCOP to all of you. They consider you a part of their family. You guys have been a tremendous blessing to them. So on behalf of them, thank you. Thank you for your love and your care. Your guys' support shows them that in a Buddhist culture, that says they are cursed, that they are less than human, that they have a global church family that values them and loves them. It's uh, interesting how the Holy Spirit works. As I was praying about today, all of the songs that we've sung, all of the prayers and words that have been spoken, it's, uh, it just confirms something that the Lord has been stirring in me to share with you, which is that we serve a God that doesn't change, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what I want to share is a bit of my personal testimony and how I got to Cambodia. I was called to the mission field at seven years old. My parents were pastors, and it was listening to a missionary. She had all of us little kids come and sit up on the stage. And as I listened to her, I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to go reach little kids for Jesus. And I focused my life on that. I went to Bible college, went on a missions trip, and it was on that missions trip to Cambodia that I knew I had found a home. After Bible college, I was set. I knew where I was going. And then I got the diagnosis of epilepsy. And the doctor said, you'll never travel overseas. So I switched gears. Okay, well, I'll, I'll go to medical school. I'll do medical missions. And then the doctor said, um, no medicine can treat your epilepsy. The only thing we can do is brain surgery. After years and months of prayer and medication trials, we did the surgery and I had a stroke in recovery. I was left having to relearn how to walk, how to read, how to write, how to do basic things to care for myself. And so I gave up all hope of going on the mission field, doing medical school. I thought, okay, well, I'm disqualified. God, clearly I didn't hear him. He can't use me. I, I don't know what I'll do. And about three years into my recovery, the Lord said, time to go back to Cambodia. Wait, what? <laughs> I can't even walk fully. You, you can't ask me to do that. I buried that dream three years ago. Don't ask me to, to do that. And he said, well, what if I asked you to just say yes? What, I, what will you do if I said, just, just say yes? And it was that question 
that changed the whole trajectory of my life. Because when I went to Cambodia again, I was using a crutch for balance and walking. And the little kids that I work with every day would come up and pray for me because they knew God wasn't done. And it was like the more I served him, the more I served the kids, the more I just surrendered to the yes more healing I saw and the more restoration I saw in every area of my life and here I am today <laughs> and now I run with those 3,000 kids around Cambodia and it's just amazing and so I just sense the Lord wanting to say whatever things in your life you feel like you may have disqualified yourself from be willing to say yes from, that he actually shows just how powerful he is, because it's in my imperfections that I can come in to a broken and lost society and love on these kids who are social outcasts, to love these widows who are told that they are less than human, and we can become a family. amazing to see how these people, these kids that have been raised, are now leading their nation to Christ. We have a lawyer, we have doctors, we have nurses, we have teachers. They are literally going out into this nation and transforming it. We have hundreds of pastors and our ministry is now being run by nationals. It's not the white missionaries anymore running it. It is nationally run. And it is amazing to see the next generation coming to know the Lord. seen kids taken from trash heaps. I have seen kids that have had so many parasites where I've sat in hospitals giving blood. I have stayed up nights in our medical clinic giving treatments. And they, they are the future of this nation. Though, no matter what their culture says, we as a global church family get to come in and say, you are never alone. You have a heavenly father that loves you. And we get to bring them into the FCOP family and give them parental figures, give them aunts and uncles, give them brothers and sisters, and be a part of a global church family to just say, you are valuable, you are cherished, and you are loved. And it is that love that is going to transform this world. So Pastor David, we have a gift for you, actually. The kids have sent me with a small token of love. 
one of our pastor's kids drew this for you and for Memphis Tabernacle. It is a picture of the Cambodian landscape in a rural province. Shannon, thank you for being here with us today and inspiring us and sharing with us about the healing that can take place when you obey the Lord. Because I think that, I was thinking back of Moses, that when the Lord spoke to Moses, you know, Moses was just a shepherd and he was out there in the field and he saw a bush that was burning. It it wasn't, what was amazing wasn't that it was burning, it was that it was burning, but it didn't burn up. And so he walked up and he said, you know, the place that you're standing is holy ground. It was kind of his place where he was receiving a calling, took off his shoes. And God said, I want you to go tell Pharaoh. Pharaoh was not only like the president who was elected in and out, he was like God to the nation. He said, I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Because remember, Moses was raised up under uh, the Pharaoh system and under Egyptian system. So he understood just what a big deal it was. And the very first thing Moses spoke was something that disqualified himself. He said, but I'm not good enough. I'm not really in the place. (laughs) It's kind of like, it's not a good time, Lord. I have some things, you know, and I'm not qualified. I stutter. And it's like God was relentless with his request. God said, well, how about your brother, you know, Aaron? That was second best choice. But God continued to work it out. Listen, when God calls you, he is aware of your adequacies and your inadequacies. He's aware of your what you've done right, what you've done wrong. He's aware of exactly where you are. He knows what you're good at and he knows what you're not good at. And yet if he's called you, he's still called you. Amen. And what a, an amazing testimony today that you gave us that even in the midst of fighting epilepsy and all of the things that come as a result of that, you, God just said, why don't you just say yes? And in the midst of it, she goes over there. Not, you know, wouldn't most people say, let me get better and then I'm going to go over there because I don't want to be a liability. But she goes ahead and goes over there in the midst of her pain and and, uh, what's going on. And, And in the midst of obedience, God healed her. It reminds me of the lepers. You know, Jesus said, the 10 lepers, right? He said, go show yourself to the priest. They said, Master, heal us. Go show yourself to the priest. He didn't say, after you're healed and see signs of healing, then show yourself to the priest. He said, go show yourself to the priest, which was a sign of healing. And the Bible says they were healed as they went. (laughs) How many times do we wait on God and say, do this first. Complete this in my life first. And God says, no, I'll complete it as you go. That was, that was, that's such a powerful testimony. So tell us, here, let me move this aside. Tell us um, uh, the ministry of, uh, and by the way, let me just tell you a little bit about uh, Foursquare Missions. One of the approaches that Foursquare Missions has taken that's different than a lot of missions organizations is a lot of missions organizations will have missionaries that will go over and will live their life and, and, and stay in a place and be the leader, be the pastor. One of the approaches that many years ago that Foursquare Missions is they've gone over and found indigenous indigenous people, people of the land, people that are already there and, and spoke to them like Jesus did, how he walked into the tax offices and into the fishing places and into the, and he called people up right where they were and then he left. That's what we do with missions is we walk into people and don't try to be Jesus to them, but bring Jesus to them and call them into their callings and then allow them to continue to lead their nations. And that's what you're saying, right? Is that when you walk in, you're raising up doctors and lawyers and, and, uh, and, 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 and speakers and ministers and pastors and all those kinds of things. Okay. So as you do that right now, you mentioned 3000 children, uh, and there are a lot of these children. Are they orphans? Nate, you could stay right where you are. Uh, are a lot of these, I love you, Nate. I've missed you. Uh, are a lot of the kids that are there, they, they are orphans, so they don't have fathers and mothers and What's the trajectory of their life? Like when you find them, where do you find them? How do they come into the organization? How do they get, do they get schooling through you as well as uh, they're getting fed and, and cared for? And tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so there's three main categories. There's orphans, there's abandoned children, and then there's also what's called separated children. So separated children would be families can't afford to keep them, which is a very common problem in a third world country. So, so what do people do when the families can't take they care They will of them? surrender their children. To who? To um, either government organizations or to NGOs like us. So if, what is NGOs? Non-government organization. <laughs> Non-government. I, I would take it government organizations are GEOs. Okay. Correct. I'm, I'm oh, so, so, uh, so, so there'll be, if they go to the government organization, there probably won't be uh, going to a Christian place. It would be a Buddhist-run organization. So in Correct. a sense, you're rescuing when they're going and bringing mm -hmm. these kids, you're rescuing them and bringing them to Christ and raising them up yes. to be leaders. Within yeah, awesome. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, so um, they receive schooling. So we do send them to public school because we want them to be a light within their community. So they go to Khmer School, which is Cambodian school, and then we teach them English within the home itself, the church home. Okay, and, and Pastor Ted mentioned about, uh, he had those fields where they're, uh, you grow your own rice, you grow your own, but he said that the food, just because of the economy, like we're all experiencing here, the economy is a lot more expensive, and it, are there also some difficulties with, uh, I hate to say China, but I'm just saying one, one of the ones is with China and, and countries that will actually put a stop to some of the things? Thank you, Pastor Mark. Yes, um, that's actually one of the main problems that we're seeing is that we are unable to get food imported in uh, because of taxes and tariffs. So we are fully dependent upon growing our own food. So uh, is some of this as a, um, a point of because of COVID and some of the recent times, or has it always been a challenge, but it's even more challenging now? It's always been a challenge, but even more so. Okay. And part of our goal is to be self-sufficient. So, so we want to be self-sustaining. So some of the things that you have is you have you grow your own rice, mm -hmm. you grow your own pigs. I'm, I'm kidding. You, but I mean, <laughs> I saw fish and raise your own pigs, right? Yeah. And fish and different things. And then you teach uh, people to be able to do that. Exactly. So all of the kids learn how to care for whatever livestock or gardens or fish are at their home. So almost all of our homes have gardens, and almost all of them have a fish pond. So that's one of the trades that we teach the kids is how to basically be responsible members within their community. But we have a thousand acre rice farm near the Thai border. A thousand acres. Thousand acres. Wow. And, uh, and so what you're saying is you don't, the way you're ministering is not just bringing them into church and preaching the word to them. You're actually giving them a life. Yes. You're, you're giving them life. You're giving them hope. You're giving them Jesus. You're helping them to, to rise up and become Christian leaders within their, and bring hope to, that's how you're bringing hope. And that's part of the thing that separates us from a lot of other ministries is that we're not a social justice movement. We are a church planting movement that is using you know, food programs and using practical, tangible needs to then show Jesus. Wow. Because that's what Jesus did all throughout the New Testament. You see him meeting the physical needs yeah. as he met the spiritual. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Jesus ministered all day to all these crowds, and yes. then he said, give them something to Give them food. Yes. He didn't say, oh, we did our part. Go to lunch. Exactly. Right. He, mm -hmm. he took care of them. The right? whole person. Right. He took care of the whole person. Yeah. What a powerful... What a powerful thing. And uh, how long have you been over in Cambodia ministering now? I have been there for three years. Fantastic. But I've been with the ministry for five. Fantastic. Well, thank you for all that you do. Uh, let me ask you this. What ways can we as a church, as we as part of the big church, big C church, you know, larger <laughs> church, what ways can we be a blessing and a partnership because I know that you know you live there, you're there every day with people, and you you know you pray for help. 
what ways can we partner and help, tangible ways, um, you know, real ways? Well, one of the main ways is prayer. Yeah. Um, uh, persecution in the church is really big right now. Um, what, what does that look like? I'm sorry, but what is yeah. that? What, what is, I don't know what persecution is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't know persecution yeah. like So you churches would. are still closed. They're still unable to meet. Um, Buddhist yeah. churches, you know, the temples are open, but Christian churches are unable to meet. Uh, you, we cannot do open evangelism. If you go out and hand out tracts, you will be arrested. So we have to be very covert in how we minister. So one of our main prayers is that our pastors will actually be invisible to the authorities. Mm. 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 Um, but what's amazing is that even during this time of persecution, the church has expanded. We had a, one pastor who was put in a quarantine center because she was exposed to the COVID virus. And while she was there, 20 people got saved. <laughs> <laughs> and just, that's what God does. You cannot wow. stop what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Wow. And you'd see that in the book of Acts when persecution would come on the church. The, the enemy really has to be conscious of how he does persecution because when he does it, the church now expands all over and it's kind of now you can't contain the gospel because the gospel is alive. And so persecution's actually been used in a good way. Yes. But we pray that the Lord would protect yes. the people, allow the gospel to go forth. And in um, and, and what ways can we do? So you said pray. Pray. Um, but also our rice farm, we need uh, financial help. Uh, for our rice mill, we have to rebuild the whole thing because it's now 20 years old. So right now we're in the process of raising money to try to rebuild that because it's through that we'll be able to feed all of the kids. So, so. Um, this is something that you take all the rice, you collect take it all? Take all the rice and then you have to take the husk off of it uh -huh. so that the kids can actually eat it. And you put it in this machine? In this big machine. And yep. so you're looking to, how much is the whole thing to? 12000 is what we need to finish the project. $12,000. I thought, I thought you were going to say $12 million or something. Nope. $12,000. How many can believe God for $12,000? <laughs> Come on, seriously, how many can believe God for $12,000 to get this done? I had no idea That's that it was $12,000. That's what we need to finish it, yep. Amen. Let's believe that, that we're going to finish this. And, and if you have the money, you're able to finish it. Yeah, we'll be able to finish the project. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Let's pray right now. Can we do that? Let's pray for Cambodia. You think the Lord cares about this? <laughs> oh, Jesus, Lord of the church, we join right now with our brothers and sisters in Cambodia. We thank you for healing Shannon. We thank you for pastors Ted and Sue, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for the, the awesome work that you're doing with these current 3,000 orphans, but also the 25,000 that have already been ministered to and the continued future that is already uh, being planned for. We pray and ask you for, just like Jesus took what he had and he raised it up to heaven, we pray for this $12,000 to come in now in Jesus' name. You said whatever you ask the Father, he would give you. And Lord, we've seen you do above and beyond this here for this church right when we had a need, Lord, and you met the need, I mean, instantly, multiple, multiple, multiple times. We've watched it, and we pray that you'd meet this need, not only the 12,000, but an over and above that, Lord, to meet all of the current needs. And we pray for it. We ask you for it in the name of Jesus. If you agree with me today, would you say amen? Amen. And, uh, and I do want to say everything that's given toward missions today, everything that's given toward missions today, whether it be an envelope, whether it be digitally, it's all going to be 100% of it will be directed toward this, okay? Uh, there's not... Uh, processing fee that comes to the church. There's not an administration fee. You know, sometimes people get concerned about all that. No, 100% is all going to go. Anything that's given uh, today, in fact, anything that's given in the next, why don't we just say this week, okay? Anything that's given this week is going to go toward that. And we're going to believe that this is all going to be completely met in Jesus' name. We serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills under the cattle. 
in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Can we give Shannon a big thank you today? God bless you. Thank you. We'll continue to pray for you, send support, but thank you for coming and ministering to us today. We really appreciate it. Hey, I'd like to invite my father-in-law, but more importantly, Pastor, Pastor John Booker. Uh, he, John and Debbie have been pastors for 20, 30, 50, 60, 70 years of their life. I'm just kidding. No, but, uh, but they've been pastors for many years, have always had a heart for missions. There are mission pastors here. But one of the things that I was so blown away by, and I thank God for the fathers and the personal examples in our lives, was that when the 2010 Haiti earthquake hit, and uh, I think a quarter of a million people were affected, and, and you know, many, many, many people were killed. John and Debbie had a business in a mall in Arizona. They were pastors of a church. They sold their business. They laid down everything. They sold their house. They moved to Haiti to be missionaries and gave it all. And I watched the work. I, I was able to go visit twice uh, there and bring a team there a couple of times. And I'm telling you, these guys, uh, these guys, this is my mom and dad, uh, in-laws, not outlaws. Uh, I love them so much, but they're examples to all of us. And, uh, and I asked John if he would take a few minutes today and would share what's on his heart concerning missions, and then we're going to pray and, uh, and let you go and be done today, okay? So, Lord, we thank you for what you're going to share today. This is my Bible. It's God speaking to me. I open my heart today to hear and receive the word of the Lord, Pastor John Booker. Well, it wasn't just me that went to Haiti. It was that beautiful woman right there, Debbie. You know her. Give her a hand. And I remember after about three months there, she was just so engaged with that culture down there, not another white person around, not even miles around. And she was out doing things. I looked and I said, who are you and what did you do with my wife? <laughs> but she's constantly amazed me and I think God's really... You know, he's not done. You know, I know most of you don't know, but uh, I just recently had a miracle. And uh, over the last three years, I have been sinking. I have, I have sadly resigned a lot of the things that I was doing because I couldn't do them anymore. And uh, I got to the place where, I mean, we're talking about just weeks ago, mentally I could not function. I couldn't figure numbers, I couldn't answer questions very well. And so I was, made, I was planning my exit because it looked like it was over, but it wasn't over. And uh, it came to a point where I, I did something and ended up calling 911 with some chest pain. They took me in and ran me through a bunch of tests. All the tests in the hospital said nothing happened to you, they have nothing wrong. But one little guy, said, we need a cardiologist to look at this and do an angiogram. And when they did the angiogram, they found two arteries, 95% blocked. One of them was called the Widowmaker. Anybody know what that is? It's like, if it's 100%, you're gone. So God granted me a reprieve. And uh, the next, well, that afternoon after I came out of surgery, I was laying there thinking, my feet are hot. And it was a weird sensation because I've had really cold feet for decades. And so they're hot. Now the circulation, you know, everything's changing. And the next day, I'm just going, whoa, something is different in my head. Because seriously, David knows this. I could not get up here and do this and have any kind of coherent conversation or presentation. But I could think again. It was like... I'm thinking like was thinking a, a decade ago almost, you know. I will say this, and, and this, is, this is really important for me to say, because I started giving the credit to the increase. I, I was saying the Sunday after I got out, I'm 95% better because <laughs> I unblocked my arteries. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, that wasn't them. That was me. And so I want you to know, and I'm giving him the glory. God did a miracle in my life, and I'm back, and I'm back, <laughs> and I love it. I love it. And I'm back enough to know that service gets out in about 15 minutes. 
And I'm also back enough to know I'm not going to ask you for any extensions at this time, all right? So I'm going to give you a couple words. David really asked me if I had a word for you that had to do with missions. And uh, I have a word, and I'm just going to give it to you. But I had another word while I was just sitting there uh, that I want to read the scripture to uh, as well. But um, I just want you to prepare your hearts because, listen, God's speaking to us through Shannon today. I'm telling you what, God's saying these things to us. He's looking at us and he's saying, well, we don't really do it that much anymore, but I think all of us have been places where we kind of go through the motions of Christianity. We go to church, we serve here, we do that there, we smile, you know, we keep rules and stuff like that. But that's not what Christianity was all about. When Jesus came, when, when he saved me, he saved me out of the pit. And he said, now, here's a life. Walk, walk with me through this life that I'm giving you. And you know, I mean, from day one for me, it was not a game. It was not a, I was raised in the Catholic church over on the side. Uh, but I wasn't going back to any organized religion. I had a relationship with Jesus. And for you here today, I'm going to tell you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, he wants to say something to you today. Because you're getting caught in the motions. And he wants you to get caught in a journey with him for the rest of your life. And if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to tell you what, there's nothing like knowing him. Uh, three, four weeks ago, almost, yeah, almost a month ago, I had my 50th born-again birthday. I've been walking with the Lord. And you know, let me tell you, I really haven't missed a step. There was no backsliding. There was no questioning. It was like I walked with the Lord for 50 years. And in that, you know, there's it, <laughs> you know, highs, lows, mountains, rocks, you know, <laughs> cliffs, you know, you... <laughs> You don't, it's not a smooth sailing journey, but I'll tell you what, for all my life, it has been worth it. And I'll tell you, it's a decision. If you make that decision and you haven't made it before, or maybe it's you're making it again, that I want that relationship with you, you make that decision today and you'll never regret it. And when I say never, I include eternity. Because a lot of times we don't even, you know, at, uh, consider <laughs> That knowing a Savior isn't just for this life, but it's for eternal life. So, if you haven't asked him, I'm gonna, you're going to get him in a minute. You're going to get an opportunity to know him. All you have to do is say what? Yes. Do you want to know me? Yes. And to you who know him, do you want to walk with me? Are you ready for a rocky road journey? Did Shannon's testimony sound like a rocky road testimony? <laughs> I told Shannon today, I said, when you say it out loud that I'm going to go to the mission field, it's not only God who hears that. The devil hears it as well. And he's going to start throwing ro roadblocks in front of you, and it's never going to be easy. But I'll tell you what, it's the best life you'll ever live. Because your life will always make a difference. I look at, and I'm not going to get into the testimonies right now. I just want to give you these words. Um, because I think that what God's saying to you right now is critical. Critical for you to, you to understand. Jesus was um, just walking with his disciples. His ministry was... Uh, was really taking off. You know, how many of you watched the, what's that called? The Chosen. Anybody look at that? Oh my gosh. I watched that and it makes Jesus so real and so approachable, understandable how God reaches into our lives and how he does all the miracles and changes all the lives and does what he wants to do. That's my alarm that says I have five minutes, okay? <laughs> I, was, I said, David, is that clock still up in the back? And he said, we've never had a clock in the back. 
Remember, I was sinking for three or four or five years, you know. <laughs> I didn't notice a lot, but. <laughs> but anyway, um, he's walking with his disciples, and he has a lot of words to say. And he says, the, uh, he's talking about the fields and the, the end times, and he said, don't you say that there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Don't we all know that when we talk about rice harvests? We know the, how it works, you know? You don't, you don't plant carrots in the middle of the winter and you know, all that good stuff. Tomatoes won't grow, you know? Anyway, they, they all understood this too. And he says, behold, I say to you, and this is what he's saying to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they're already white for harvest. That's before Jesus died on the cross, went back to heaven, and began sending his people out to minister salvation throughout this whole world. If he was saying it back then, what does it mean, and what does it mean to us now? And it's really easy. I won't get too much into it right now. The fields are white for harvest. They're ready. There are people all around us who would say yes. Some of you here today didn't know that this would be the day you said yes. And it changed the trajectory for your life for eternity. And you're going to have stories and testimonies. We said that after we were in Haiti for three weeks. We have so many stories to tell everybody. And after three months, we said, we have so many stories, nobody's going to want to hear them. <laughs> we weren't far off on that one. But you have stories and memories and experiences with God that mold and shape and transform your life. And you learn how to live a life of faith and trust and confidence and hope. A hope. Jeremiah says, he's given us a hope and a future. I like one translation. He says, he has given us a hope filled future. And we can walk through this life always lifting up our eyes. We get too often consumed with what this is going on. And over the last year, I, two years, I just have, you see how, how difficult it is for me to walk. But I've been, got to where this, I had to look down all the time to see where I was walking. Because I had a stroke too. Right before we went back to the mission field in St. Louis, I had a stroke. And I still have some residual symptoms that you're going to pray me through and out of, all right? Because I don't want this anymore. But it hasn't stopped me. Maybe slowed me down and it hasn't stopped me and I won't let it stop me. But lift up your eyes because what's happening right here won't, won't touch your life what's, as what's happening out here. When you start looking around you and say, what's going on in these lives right here? And you see people. It changes everything. Lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes, and look to the harvest. Interesting word, look. It doesn't just mean, hey, take a look at that. It means, no, no, take a closer look. And do you see right there Jason Pia? That's a life that is being lived out for God. Or somebody else that I don't know. There's a life that's not being lived out for God. As caught in destruction. There are so many around us that are caught in that cycle of poverty and destruction. And they don't know how to get out. Guess what? You have the answer. Yes. You just don't admit it very often. You have the answer. What are you going to do with the answer? That's what God wants to know. Lift up your eyes and look. And the word look translated means see. See, don't just take a look. Take a closer look until you see people in front of you and what, what you can do in their lives. You know, you have something to give. You have something to give. And whether it's just your time, some people just need you to listen to them. People need to tell their story. There's lonely people out there. One of the big, big destructive influences of the pandemic was isolation and loneliness. And they said that the, the uh, rate of suicide just skyrocketed 
We have the answer to loneliness. What is it? Listen to somebody. Listen. Don't let people be isolated. Do you know somebody who's isolated? What do you have that you can give them? Time. Give them a call. Go visit them. Reach out to people. That can make all the difference in their lives. Time. What else do you have that you can give for? Well, you can pray for them. And release by faith, release the power of God over their lives and into their lives. Do some warfare about all of the, the darkness that just overwhelms them and speak against that. That You know that Jesus, at the name of Jesus, demons flee. Didn't we sing a song like that? Do you think there's demons right now? Read your Bible. <laughs> it's all through the old, in the New Testament. It's all, every page just about. There are evil spirits, spirits of darkness, whatever you want to call them. We are here, and one of the signs of those who follow Jesus is they will cast out demons. So whether you believe in demons or not, you better move a little over to what God sees and what he says, because that's our battle. We fight a battle. We are light in the darkness. And we have just gone through a very dark shadow coming upon our homes, our neighborhoods, our country, our continent, upon this whole world. First time in history that we can see a spirit of darkness cover this whole earth. But he can't, he can't withstand the light. Darkness can't withstand the light. If we turned all the lights off in this room and it was pitch black, and you went over and flipped that switch, guess what? The darkness would leave. Because the darkness is just an absence of light. But you are light. We are light. We are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that they'll see what? Your good works. What you do and give glory to God in heaven. Lift up your eyes. The first thing, lift up your eyes and see. The second one was one that the Lord gave me when I was sitting there, and it's about Isaiah. You can look at it uh, sometime. That scripture, by the way, was uh, uh, John 4.35. I have to look close. Pray for my eyes, too. I'm not at the place where Paul said, you would have plucked out your eyes for me. I'm not, I don't need any new eyeballs. But I do need some, a miracle in my eyes, so you can pray for that too. But Isaiah is uh, experiencing uh, an encounter with God. What do, we, what do we believe in? Encountering God. God wants to encounter you worse than you want to encounter him. He wants to encounter you so much that he gave his only son to come to this earth to die in our place so that we could encounter God personally. And that's what it's all about. Well, Isaiah was encountering God, and, you know, the, the coal came and touched his lips, and, you know, God was calling him to the ministry, and he says, oh, wrong, wrong one there. Here he is. Verse 8. And this is Isaiah 6, 8. It says, uh, I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, listen, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I, Elijah, uh, Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. What's God saying to you? Because I think a lot of you, he's saying, here I am. Send me. You see, Shannon's talking about global missions. And that's such a powerful thought for all of us. Oh, I'd love to go to Cambodia or go with somebody to a foreign country. You live in a foreign country. They're sending missionaries right now to America from all those lands. Do you realize that? <laughs> and we live in a place that has deeper needs as a community. If you look at some of the statistics about our fair city, it's not fair. And I said this in Haiti, and I say this about Memphis. It's not fair that people have to live like this. That people would live in this poverty with this kind of hunger that's all around us with, you know, we're number one in child hunger in America. 
Oh, come on. Statistics like that should not mark us. So what do you do? You get up and you shine in the middle of that. And when God says, who will go for me? That's really the answer that Shannon had to say. See, she had to say yes. That's a three-letter word. God's only asking you for a two-letter word. Who will go? And the answer is simply me. And if you can say that, he's not necessarily, some of you he is calling to go to a foreign country. But remember the Great Commission when it kind of culminated in Jesus uh, sending them to receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Be witnesses to me. Where? In Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Shannon, uttermost parts of the earth. We've been there. We're actually getting invited back there. But at the same time, this is our Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where it starts. This is our home. It begins in your home that you do what God is leading you to do. Pray. Pray with not just for your family, but with your family. Take the opportunities to pray together. It's so important and more important than we hardly ever think how important that is. But when we speak the words of life and light into our world, in, in the name of Jesus, into our family, into our home, light comes. What else happens? Darkness leaves. And that's what we're here. We're called to let our sh light shine. It says, ever, uh, ever increasing, that our light will shine in ever increasing ways and that uh, we will be revealed in the day the Lord returns. So this is our place to start with the Great Commission. This is where we make disciples. This is where we lay down our life. This is where we take up our cross daily. This is where we live a life that is pleasing to God. And this is the place where we, not this place, but our city, our homes, is the place where we learn how to say yes to Jesus daily. You'll never get there. You'll never arrive. It's a battle every step of the way. But it's a battle that's worth it. And it's a battle that God expects us to win. Just show up. Just show up with your husband or your wife to pray. Just show up with your kids to make a difference. Show up in our city to make a difference. This is not a mission field, guys. This is not our mission field. You can do ministry here, but these people already got into the, we already got all these people. We got to get out there. That's when you're walking around, you need to say, Lord, who? That's our constant question, Lord, who? And then we look up and we say, what? <laughs> because God will fill you with words if you care. Where does caring begin? It begins in prayer. You cannot pray without the love of God welling up in your heart for people. You cannot pray. So it begins with prayer. You pray, you lift up your eyes and look, and God fills you with a care that turns into a compassion. Caring with passion is what co compassion is all about. And if you want to make a difference, it's all about compassion. Jesus looked upon the multitude and he was moved with what? Compassion. That's what we need to be, moved with compassion. Well, I challenge you. I want to see you get involved in missions, okay? Local missions. We have a very simple approach to local missions here. One of the biggest needs in our city is hunger and children. I mean, to have the number one that's our statistic. We're number one in child hunger. We want to make a difference. So what we decided is we're going to start small, basic, have a food pantry. And so we have a food pantry right down uh, on the other side of the hall or the other side entrance going over there. Uh, learn to, to know where that's at because you're going, to, you're going to need to use that. When you start seeing people, and you're looking around, and God will open your eyes to some needs, and they're going to have some needs that you can meet.
and we're going to make it available to you to just come in there and get some food for them. Bring them in. Don't just send people. Don't send people. Don't invite people to church. Bring them to church. Don't invite people to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. That's our job. Does this sound a little bit different? I'm kind of rubbing the hair the wrong way on the dog today. I know that. <laughs> but you know what? It's good for all of us to have that, have that challenge. So um, get involved. We, there's, I'd love to meet you. I can go down there. Well, maybe not today. But any servant. Who's here? Any of our people that do our food pantry? Who, who are our food pantry folk here? Raise your hand so I can see it. I got All right. Could you go down to the uh, food pantry after service for just a half an hour? Okay. So, since you can live through that. Oh. You're acting like me now. <laughs> but I don't turn red anymore when I do it. <laughs> so I'm going to say this. If you'd like to be involved, we need people to kind of work in the food pantry to package foods, to uh, put it in boxes, and then to distribute the food because we're going to be open every service Tuesday and Sunday for 30 minutes after service to do that. So I invite you to come down there and uh, they'll take care of you and help you to know how to get involved. So as Pastor David comes up to close us in prayer today, I just want to say it's a privilege to me for me and Debbie to be missions pastors here. Um, and it's really, really a privilege for me to be back. So thank you for your prayers. Don't stop praying. <laughs> I'm back, but I'm, I'm walking like Nate a little bit at times. So <laughs> a whole lot more than Nate. So Pastor David, would you come up and you can close us out in prayer? Hey, um, let's thank Pastor John for an awesome word this morning. That was a great word. We, in the name of Jesus, just stretch your hands out to him. Father, we thank you that you who began a good work in him would be faithful to complete it. We know that you don't do half healings and just want to leave it there, but you want to complete that. And I pray for a complete healing, spirit, soul, body, his whole being, Father. And thank you for preserving his life. Thank you for the gift that he is to the tabernacle here. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.